Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. In just a moment, we'll be joined by Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports with the latest football recruiting news. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started as always. Spring practice is just about wrapped up. The new offense has been put in place, well, at least 90% of it according to Josh Gaddis. Next up is the trip to South Africa, which will get plenty of coverage in the coming weeks. Then we wait. It will be four months of speculation, previews, and best guesses as to what kind of team we'll have this year. It will get here soon enough, so let's enjoy some summer first. One thing, though, that never takes a break is recruiting. It's the lifeblood of college football. We are off to a pretty good start with the class of 2020. But in the coming weeks, the process will really heat up. My guest today thinks we're in pretty good shape on the recruiting trail and could be putting together another big time, maybe even top 10 class. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports joins me next here on The Michigan Man in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week to talk a little recruiting and more is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Once again, great to have you with us, Steve. Good to be back, Mike. Well, of course, uh, a lot has been going on in the last month with spring football recruiting, as always, uh, going strong. First question, though, Steve, is uh, it's really not a recruiting item, but in the news in the last couple of weeks, cornerback uh, Miles Sims entered the transfer portal. Uh, we didn't hear much about him during spring practice, but was that any kind of a surprise to you? Uh, Probably not, actually. You know, I think, um, you know, we had done a couple write-ups on him a few weeks ago where had gotten some mixed signals about his standing uh, on the depth chart. And just in general, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where it's like you can't explicitly say what the deal is maybe, but you kind of got to, if you're, if you're, you know, capable of reading between the lines a little bit, you know, I think the, it was definitely a situation where it, it felt like an uphill battle for him in the depth chart, especially for whatever reason. I know he had a, he had fought a couple of minor injuries, uh, the off season, like heading into spring practice. I don't know if that had any impact on things or what, but, uh, you know, and then I think Mike Zordich, you know, really only mentioned him in passing in his press conference last week, you know, and Zordich is one of those, there's a lot of the assistants on the staff now are really thorough. You ask them who's standing out and then they just try to literally list every player at that position. Uh, you know, with, with Sims, he kind of mentioned him only in passing. Matter of fact, I think he had to get brought up for him to garner a mention, you know, which is usually kind of an indication, you know, that, that maybe things are not looking too good. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's not, it wasn't a total surprise for me. Uh, I suspect he'll probably try to go closer to home and, uh, you know, Michigan, I mean, Vince Gray's had a great, had a great spring practice. The other guy, I think Jamon Green is, is, was having a great finish to spring practice too. He's, uh, one of the 18s uh, out of Texas, the twins, you know, so I think, you know, they're, they're, they have guys, I know they really like Jalen Perry, the early enrollee they have, and then DJ Turner's on campus in June. So, um, not a deal where it's like a huge blow or anything to their secondary, I don't think. But I would say, like, Sims was a guy that, you know, on the recruiting trail that, I mean, they really, really liked him a lot. You know, so I think there is some disappointment there. 
as a guy that I think they felt like really the funny thing, you know, in 18, that, mm-hmm. that was the big story about 18 was a lot of lower-ish ranked guys that maybe would take two or three years to kind of kind of the Uche path where they're not going to be instant impact guys, but a few years in the system, you know, you might find a couple like, you know, real studs. And so I always got the impression that Sims was a, one of the safer bets in the class, at least in their eyes. So uh, I would assume there's some disappointment there in, in the idea that it didn't work out. Well, back on the uh, the recruiting trail then, Steve, uh, for the class of 2020, news in the last week or so was that wideout Khalil Branham from Ohio decommitted. Is is that one where you, you can say you saw that coming? Yeah, uh, the, this is kind of the way I explained it on the site last week. Uh, his primary recruiters, you know, when he committed were Al Washington and Pep Hamilton. So, you know, you can kind of put two and two together there and say that, you know, maybe he really wasn't a fit with what they're looking to do offensively going forward. Um, good player. I think Kentucky's probably the odds-on favorite uh, to land him going forward. But as far as it being a big surprise, no, not really. I mean, it, it, we just got to be honest. Like, you know, we've been, you and I have talked, like, mm-hmm. through the last three or four cycles. There's always a few guys that, seem to commit really early that you know once the process continues you know and this is just speaking factually too this isn't an opinion I mean the history shows it I mean you know the Michigans there's always a few guys that seem to uh they take really early and then things kind of fade away and then they decommit uh Brandon was kind of one of those guys in my mind uh, we'll see if there are any more uh, of the guys that are currently verbally committed I mean there's none that I'm like definitely that guy or anything like that but you know, like I said, history is showing. I mean, this this is kind of common, and not just at Michigan, but other schools too. But with Michigan, you know, they 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 take some verbals like very early in the process, and sometimes it's like a guy they probably could have waited on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and taken later in the you know later in the cycle, something like that. So, uh, so no, with Branham, not a real big surprise. They're in on a lot of really good receivers too right now, guys like AJ Henning, uh, Xavier Watts, you know, some some of those types of guys. So, you know, that they, they have a I think a little bit of a different board with Josh Gaddis in charge, and and I think they decided to, you know, the mutually part ways or however you want to say it. So now, as far as uh, the other wideouts that we're in on this year, you mentioned a couple of those names. Um, are there any that were close to getting verbals from uh, that you would say in that group? Not any that like really really stand out. I think Watts is probably a summer decision. Uh, not really clear if Michigan would be the choice. I think that's, uh, if I had to guess, it'd probably like a Nebraska, Notre Dame, or Michigan-type deal. Henning, the, that one I kind of feel like might go a while. Uh, he took a trip, like a, one of those down south swings, you know, where they see like five schools in like six days. And uh, I know he really liked Georgia. And I think maybe may have liked Auburn, too. There was another school down there that he really kind of vibed with a little bit, too. So, and again, Notre Dame, uh, really, in my opinion, though, probably the primary competition for Michigan. So none that like I'm like really banking on committing in the near, near future, uh, I guess would be the best way to say. Well, like, for instance, like Rayshon Williams out of Detroit King, like, you know, he may, I think he's committing you know, a week from today, uh, but it won't be Michigan. And so, uh, you know, it'll be one of the, it'll be those two guys I mentioned. There's some other guys that are recruiting, uh, you know, a little bit harder right now. So. You know, we'll see we'll see where they're at in a couple months, probably. Well, as of right now, in this class of 2020, how many receivers do you think uh, we would like to get uh, committed? It's kind of a good question. I mean, to, to me, you know, with Sainra still now definitely an offensive guy, because he was kind of one of those, uh, let's see what happens when he gets here 
kind of guy as far as what his position was going to be. But obviously, you know, he's had more hype than almost any, you know, non-contributor uh, or new face, you know, of anybody. So, you know, because you still have Giles Jackson enrolling in the summer and you still have George Johnson enrolling this summer. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of think, you know, Jackson is definitely an offensive guy. Johnson's a guy maybe could be a defensive player. I mean, so I, it may actually depend partially on kind of how they look at him. But, you know, here's the thing is they took, you know, potentially five receivers in 19, depending on what Johnson does. And you have at least three guys with black people's Jones and Collins, who if they have a good enough year this year could jet, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, kind of left with, a very young and inexperienced group, albeit very talented, because yeah. I still think Cornelius Johnson, who another true freshman who will enroll uh, this summer, I think is a guy who's who's going to be really really good. You know, so it's to me, I I I mean, you know, it's it's always one of those things that with them it goes back and forth. Like by the day, it seems like sometimes, but I I'd, I'd probably say like three or four. Uh, you know, it's just going to. De- I think it will partially depend though on the pro prospects of those big names you know between people's jones black and collins if any of those three guys come back it probably would affect you know the bottom line in that regard you know and they could use mm-hmm. the scholarship somewhere else you know if they know they have if they know they have like a big time guy or a guy that can be big time coming back for another year well in this state the player we hear most about is the port here on northern uh, four-star Braden mcgregor who is number one on a, a lot of teams lists what kind of position is Michigan in with him right now? Right now, I think Michigan's in pretty good position. Uh, I've had my crystal ball on Michigan for a while now. You know, I think there was a little bit of a reason for pause, I guess, when Greg Madison left just because he had been the primary recruiter. Uh, he's the one that had put in all the time. You know, and so anytime a guy like that leaves, whether they're like an A-plus recruiter or not, which I would say Madison's more towards the the better side of the of a recruiter for sure you know there's always going to kind of be a uh you know is this going to change things type deal but but sean nua has done a really really good job in kind of picking up the slack there and, and really maybe providing a little bit of a different approach i mean how can you it, it's going to be a different approach he's about what 35 or something years younger than madison is right i mean yeah. so it's just a different vibe different approach in, in total and uh mcgregor and his camp have seemed to really uh, res- like Nua's pitch and Nua's uh, approach has really resonated with his family. We've always kind of thought his family definitely prefers Michigan. Um, again, Notre Dame, I think probably the other program. I think Clemson was around for a while, but they like him on offense at tight end, and I think he wants to play defense in, in college. So, uh, you know, Notre Dame, Clemson maybe again, but I don't think so. Maybe Ohio State a little bit too. I mean, obviously they're still trying with Madison. There's no reason for him not to. Um, but, you know, I think right now I think Michigan's in a pretty good spot there. Uh, you know, he's a guy I also feel like that isn't going to drag the process out forever. You're going to – you're kind of – we're kind of get what is it, like almost May. We're getting to that point where some of these kids have been recruited really hard for a long time, and this is one of those, like, couple points in the year where you start to see a lot of verbals just because, you know, the winter evaluation's over and then the spring of the new official visit – period is over you know and so some of these guys have taken two or three officials they kind of already know who they like who they don't you know and so I think McGregor's among those guys who could probably verbal sometime before his senior season it seems like people really love this kid is he the kind of a of a player 
that you think right now could come right in and contribute? I think he's capable of it, yeah. Um, his junior film was excellent. Uh, you know, his sophomore film was solid. I think we had, I think he started as like a high, high three-star. I think we had him in an 89, you know, which is the highest three-star you can get. It's a, still a very, very good prospect. Um, but he took one of the bigger leaps of anybody in our last ranking. I mean, we had him at, I think, 27th overall in the country. I mean, he jumped over 250 spots yeah. uh, in his junior film. Yeah, his junior film. It, we, I think it was like, you know, there's always like random guy that nobody knew about who blew up, you know, that probably jumped like 600 spots or something like that. But but as far as a guy that was already kind of a known commodity to some extent, uh, he took a really, really big leap. I know Alan Trieu, our uh, Midwest analyst, like loves his game. And, and he's he's kind of your classic, to me, your classic edge defensive end like so he just got some Aiden Hutchinson in him sort of similar style you know uh a, more of a Rashawn Gary you know just a classic edge rusher who can get to the quarterback and uh so as far as being an instant impact guy yeah I mean I think any guy that we usually have ranked within that top like 50 or so is a guy who's at least capable of playing right away just be a matter of to me a matter there's two things that matter when it comes to that are do they enroll early which if they do, that really helps their chances. And B, if they don't enroll early, it, to me, just, it depends fully on what kind of shape they come in, you know, when, when mm -hmm. they show up in June or July, what kind of shape they're in, you know. And so that's, for a lot of those guys, that's the biggest battle is, you know, sticking to the nutrition plan, uh, working out, you know, doing the workouts the way Michigan wants you to when they can't actually be there with you when you're still at home. So, uh, but yeah, as far as his athletic ability and his football ability, absolutely. I mean, he's a guy, I don't know, he might not be done rising, you know, cause he's, he's only been to a couple of the t-shirts and shorts type camps. And, uh, the last one I think was the, was it the opening one in Ohio, whatever mm -hmm. the last one was, there's been a few of them in the last few weeks. I can't, I can't keep track of them sometimes, but, uh, the last one he was at, he was dominant. And so, you know, if he continues that, that's a deal where, you know, you get to the actual opening or you get to one of the all-star games, you know, you have a big week there and you can keep moving up. So he may not be done, but either way, though, you know, borderline five-star guy right now for sure. Well, speaking of a, a four- or five-star guy that's uh, going to visit, which uh, this one surprises me a bit, maybe it shouldn't, but uh, an Alabama commit, um, four-star defensive tackle Jason Jones, who... I think is the number one ranked player in Alabama. Uh, sort of hard to believe Saban's going to let him get away, though, isn't it? Yeah, this kind of, there's like there are guys like this every year. Um, with Jones, yeah, he's like I notice he's kind of periodically just randomly tweeted the five schools he's going to officially visit. Yeah. Um, it's it's changed a few times, but Michigan has been mentioned. Oh, he's done it like four times. I think Michigan's been in it twice. They're definitely still recruiting him. Uh, they need, you know, defensive tackle, I think, you know, is a place that they want to supplement. You know, I think they want another sturdy, like, nose type guy, like how they got Mozzie Smith last year. I think they'd like another one of those this cycle. Um, you know, my thing on that, uh, there's no reason not to be recruiting a guy of his caliber. You know, whether mm -hmm. he ends up sticking with Alabama or not, you know, it's a deal where it's it's still pretty early in the process overall i know i just got done saying that for some of the kids it's been a long process already but there's still a whole football season to go you know all kinds of possibilities or whatever uh definitely the type of talent you would want to keep investing resources in and then you, you just kind of see what happens you know what the worst that could happen is that he just sticks with alabama right i mean there's not really a it's not as if he's a kid that 
I don't think anybody in Schembechler's like banking on it, you know, anything like that. But, you know, he is a big enough talent where it's like, hey, you know, let's see where it goes. Um, like I said, I'll see if he sticks to the five schools that he just posted that he'll take an official to. Um, but either way, he's expressed some interest in Michigan. I know they've been recruiting him. I think Chris Partridge, uh, probably not a surprise to many, you know, has, has been one of the guys I think has been one of the main deals there. I haven't caught up with him in a little while, so I'm interested to see if Nua has gotten involved there. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but I do know that Partridge is the one kind of running point there for a while. So, which again, if he's running point, you know the kid's going to be getting recruited hard, and it usually means that they'll have some kind of shot, right? Because Partridge yeah. is just such a good recruiter, and they always put Partridge on guys, you know, that maybe they think they have a shot with or can get up to campus. So, you know, we'll have to see, though. But, no, Jones is a very, you know, I mean, top player in Alabama is usually a stud, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah. you know, he's a he's, a, he's an elite player. And, uh, like I said, a guy that's worth kind of continuing the process with at this point, in my opinion. Well, we're in on some really good running backs in this class of 2020. I've read that four-star uh, Blake Corum is going to commit soon, I think in the next couple of weeks. Do you consider him a Michigan lean? I do, yep. So he's another St. Francis Academy. Uh, they have the two already with Osman Savage and uh, Mazakua, or however you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's Biff Pogey's program in Baltimore. You know, I think it was a deal where I think, you know, Michigan fans were kind of waiting for Michigan to sort of make a dent at that program, you know, with the Pogey connection, and, and it really wasn't panning out. I mean, they missed on Yabi Anoma in the last minute a couple cycles ago. I mean, he was the five-star that committed to Alabama. Uh, there have been others I'm off the top of my head, but the Pogey connection was kind of a thing where people, I think, were getting a little like, okay, is Michigan even going to get anybody from this school? Now they have two verbals. Uh, I think they're in really good shape for Corum. He's definitely more of your all-purpose, you know, sort of a uh, like a you know Chris Evans, how Chris Evans would be used in a, in a Michigan offense type deal. You know, more of a passing, receiving, and running threat. Um, LSU, Virginia Tech, I think are the other two schools that may have a shot there still. But if he is verbally committing anytime soon, I'd be actually kind of surprised if it wasn't Michigan. I mean, they've done a pretty good job there. And, and he's a guy that they've liked for a while. I mean, he's a guy we had listed as a top target well before, you know, we knew that Michigan looked like they were in good shape. So uh, be another nice win for them. I think they've done a pretty good job recruiting the running back position and, uh, you know, give them something a little bit different because they're going to have to, you know, they only signed Charbonnet. Yeah. In 19, I think running back's a big need for them this cycle. You know, so I think in the guys I think they're going to get or want to get, they're going to try to kind of get a variety, right? So maybe a more of a bell cow guy would be the next type of back that they'd look for, you know, more of a 25 carries guy if he needs to. You know, with, with Corum, like I said, much more of a running and receiving threat out of the backfield. Well, if we did pick him up, uh, he would be, what, the third commit, as you mentioned, from St. Francis. And I do believe there are another three players that we've offered from that very same school. It must be a heck, heck of a team. Yeah, there's. I think there's more than that when you go, maybe in 2020, because uh, I know uh, at Treshawn Holden, who's verbally committed to Alabama, is a guy that they still really like at the receiver spot. He's kind of one of the names I forgot about when we were talking about receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Holden. Uh, Demon Clowney, who committed to LSU, is Jadavion Clowney's like brother or cousin or something. Um, and then there's in the lower classes, though, 2021 and 2022, I want to say they've offered multiple guys, too. I want to say on their roster right now, there's probably 15 guys that have a Michigan offer, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, again, 
how many of them are offers or how many of them are actual, like, we want you offers, I don't know. Um, again, because those exist, and it's not a, really a mystery or a taboo subject at this point. I mean, some offers are more contingent on better performance down the road, you know, one of those types of deals. So, uh, But there are a lot of the guys that they do like. And so, you know, and then you're seeing it because they're taking some of these guys. You know, but it's a school yeah. that, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a – that the DMV area – you know, D.C., Northern Virginia, Baltimore area, the next couple cycles is quietly, like, in my opinion, it's right up there with, like, Texas and Georgia. I mean, there are just tons and tons of kids. You talk about, like, St. John's College, Gonzaga, St. Francis. Like, there's five or six programs that are just, DeMatha, that are just totally loaded with D1-type kids. And so, you know, getting in there, making some more inroads in there I think is important for a lot of schools. Michigan's not the only school that's offered like 12 or 13 of those kids at St. Francis. I mean, there's some other programs that have too. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be a contentious spot, you know, especially Mike Loxley coming in at Maryland. He knows how to recruit really well. So Maryland actually might be a factor for some of these guys, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, they've offered more guys and probably more than I even know uh, at that program at this point, because they, they've, stopped through there a few times and it feels like there's a couple new names added to the list you know it's like Mm -hmm. it feels like they're almost their entire defense uh has a michigan offer you know which is insane Uh, but it is big going to be a big uh, contentious area on the recruiting trail poji's connection seems to i don't know do a little bit more for him lately i mean hard not to say it's not when they're picking up guys like that and they're in good shape for another so you know, see how it goes. Well, circling back to the uh, the running back uh, options again, uh, three-star all-purpose back Jabari Small, who's from Tennessee, also uh, is uh, high on our list. And it sounds like after his visit, he really loved it here. Yeah, I think he told Bryce that uh, Bryce Marich, who who uh, helps on our is that uh, Michigan leads. Yeah, uh, I I do know that uh, as far as so Small is a guy that I think Michigan would would definitely take a verbal commitment from. As things stand now, my only thing was is if Corum was to commit, if that would change things. I don't necessarily think it would, because uh, even then they're small as the well. He's a little bit smaller, you know. Corum's like I think five eight or five nine, like two hundred. I think Small's more of your like one sixty five, one seventy, you know, more of a guy who's predicated fully on speed, you know, than Corum is because the guy I think is a little more of a power speed mix. You know, and so, like I said, with a wide variety of guys, I feel like they're willing to take. But again, especially with Gaddis's offense, you see how they use Saner still in the spring game. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are a lot of types that you know, the the idea of, a, of it being a running back is you know, yeah, they're probably still going to get some carries in between the tackles and stuff. But they, it's clear they're going to use these guys in a lot of different ways. You know, and I think that kind of widens the spectrum as far as you know the types of guys that they're willing to take. Whereas, you know two or three, three or four cycles ago, it was, you know, it's a lot of power style, you know, you know, which again, I think they're still going to look to take one of those types of guys, but it's, that was used to be the focus. Now it's more of a wider, like just a wider variety of guys, you know, because they wanted to give as many matchup problems or different looks to defense as they possibly can. So yeah, small, I think is a guy, at least right now, Michigan looks like they're in good shape. He seems underranked based on his offer list. I know he's got a handful of SEC offers. I suspect he'll be back up at some point. Like I said, for me, like I haven't put in a crystal ball, basically waiting to see, 
you know, if quorum was to verbal to Michigan, if that's going to change anything. I'm not saying that it would. I just, I don't know. So I'm not going to really move forward on that one yet. Well, with us on our game day segment this week for our monthly recruiting update is Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Uh, Steve, another player I've heard a lot about lately is three-star offensive lineman Noah Nelson. He, of course, has a Michigan offer. What do you think of this kid? So Noah, high-ceiling guy. Um, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I think people have, even on our board who have, like, followed recruiting for a while just have a hard time seeming to comprehend. You know, Michigan just signed six offensive linemen in 2019, five of which were four-star prospects, all six of which were guys that they were in on for a while. There was no, like, last-minute flyer. You know, these were guys that they, A, either that they, well, they liked all of them, but even the guys who were three stars, like Zach Carpenter was a three-star across the board. Well, Michigan beat Clemson head-to-head for him. You know, it was either Michigan or Clemson. You know, Jack Stewart, Auburn, Texas A&M. You know, so basically what I'm getting at is, like, they took, like, what they think is, like, a six very high-level prospects on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. So then they take a kid like Mazkua, who was like a, I think he was like an 84 and 85. And then Nelson, I think is an 86 on 24 seven. And people are like, well, you know, and <laughs> you know, yeah, well, it's really basically what it sounds like. Yeah, it's really what it comes off as when people complain about it. But it's like, they are in a position right now. I mean, you look at the spring game, you look at the, even, even remove the six guys they just took. This is the first time I can remember Michigan looking like they have a strong two deep at every position on the offensive line and probably, eight, nine years, maybe, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. it's been forever. And so you have a two deep already, and then you have six more f- true freshmen coming in. I think they're in a position right now where, where they can take guys who, sort of what we talked about with the 18 class, where it's like they can take guys who maybe have a higher ceiling, you know, guys that they don't need an instant impact guy right now up front. Is there is there one position you can think of up front where they, I mean, you're never going to turn down a guy if he's, you know, a no doubter, you know, five star guy. But but what I'm saying is they're not it's it's not a pressing need in that regard. And they feel really good about you know, it's like Runyon and then you got Ryan Hayes waiting in the wings who's who has not given up one year of eligibility yet and we've heard nothing but incredible things about what he looks like and what he could become. You know, and it's like so there's no big hurry. You know, that's why Nelson is a guy actually kinda of reminds me of Ryan Hayes. Uh long athletic, you know, not, he's not already built like a college offensive lineman, a guy that have to put on some weight, you know, one of those types of deals. But, you know, when, when Michigan and Oklahoma with Bill Biedenbaugh, who's one of the best offensive line coaches in college football, if not like a top two or three between him and Warner are hot after this kid, to me, that's a better indication that there's something there than, you know, that he's an 86, which again is, people look at 86 that's still a really good oh, yeah. like high school prospect right like well people look at it like it's some throwaway because the other guy's an 89 or the other guy's a 90 right but you know an 86 is still and like i said let alone you have coaches like warner and, and beatenbaugh who are like really hot hot after him and been recruiting him hard for like over a year so uh he's been he's visited twice in the last like four or five weeks uh he already used his official uh, he was up a couple, uh, not this this weekend, but the weekend before. Visit went really yeah. well. My crystal ball has been on Michigan since February. Um, I was the first one and the only one for a couple months until recently. Still feel really good there. Uh, if he does verbal sometime this spring or summer, you know, I'd feel really good about Michigan's chances 
And again, he's a guy Michigan's been recruiting the heck out of him for a long time. You know, this isn't a, uh, this wouldn't surprise anybody, you know, like they've been, he's been a listed as a top target for us for a while too on our, we do our top targets page where I kind of keep track, you know, my opinion on what their recruiting board looks like. And, and Nelson's been on the, the top target part for a while. So uh, yeah, I mean, and again, the, the funny thing is too, he's out of Arizona is the big Taylor Luan fan, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, and that matter, you know, and it's like, so, that's kind of paid off for him a little bit too. Uh, I think he's a kid that wants to wear the 77 uh, at Michigan, you know? And so that's one of those little random things that you can't really bank on on any given kid, but that can help you, you know? So uh, yeah, Ed Warner's done such a good job too. I've written about it a lot, but man, I just can't get over it. Like they're in on so many guys up front. It's almost hard to keep track of who, you know, they're in, listed in top fives and sixes constantly right now. And not just in 2020, but 2021, uh, you know, and he's just, he's done such an awesome job. I think that's been the biggest surprise. We all knew, I think that they were going to get a good coach, but he's really, in my opinion, been an, an elite recruiter for them uh, way better. Like that was kind of the knock on him. You know, I think our Ohio state affiliate had come mm-hmm. over when he, when he signed on and said that you're getting maybe the best offensive line coach in foot in college football. Uh, but that he's about he's a, a he's basically an above average recruiter, and uh, from my standpoint, he's been way more than that for them. So, uh, you know, so props to props to Ed Warner. I think he's been a great surprise on the recruiting trail, and and uh, you know Nelson again is a guy I feel like they're in really good shape with. Well, four star quarterback commit J D Johnson is going to or already I'm not sure has visited Texas A and M and Oregon. Is there any sense that he might be wavering? That one, I'm, so he did it. He took his official last weekend. Um, the only so here's the thing. I, I think he's probably going to re-solidify publicly. I think he. I don't know if he's like flat out said it, you know, because he's been to a And M. He's been to Oregon. You know, he's been talking to some other schools. You know, my only concern is, and I don't know if it'd be an issue or not. It might not. It might be nothing. But any time a guy takes his official, a guy who lives that far away, mm-hmm. and this might include Nelson. I don't know. You know, if he ends up verbaling to Michigan or not, but. Anytime a kid who lives that far away takes their official visit that early, you know, that's a long time. And again, like I said, he may come, I don't know, maybe he comes to every home game. I don't know. But, you know, I know like when you're taking your official that early, that means any visit you take to campus after that point is on your own dime. You know, the, the, the chance for the, for Michigan to take the tab is over, you know, yeah. that's done. And so, you know, April, it was kind of a, in my opinion, it was kind of a peculiar time for him to take his official visit. Um, a lot of times they really like their verbals to all take official visits either to one of the big games or like between the final game of the season and like the first signing period because they like to get all their verbals up with some of them, maybe some of those top targets who are going to decide, you know, on the, that first signing day. So for him to come up now, I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know if it's because he needed to reaffirm some things or, or, you know, see things again to make sure that Michigan's where he wanted to be. Uh, but there's no doubt he was entertaining other situations. I mean, like I said, A&M kind of randomly had him on campus a few weeks ago, and then he visited Oregon, who Oregon, you know, is really kind of clicking on the recruiting trail right now. So, you know, we'll see. I, I, I suspect he's solid. So that's the thing is I've never really been led to believe that he's not solid, right? But 
you know, it's just we'll see if he well, – I'm interested to see when he's going to take his next unofficial. Like, I haven't caught up with him yet, and I don't know if I will. I think that's a guy that Bryce has been on. But, you know, to see when he's going to come back again, I think will be interesting, you know, and go from there. But that's the thing. So, you know, he was – he did verbal when Pep was still coach, but I know that the Gaddis, the rest of – like, they all are really high in him. So it's not a deal where they're uh, sort of what we talked about at wide receiver. Uh, I think Johnson's a guy that they really like regardless. So – um, you know, definitely a guy they want to hang on to for sure. Well, of course, it's going to get interesting uh, in the coming weeks and months with a lot of these uh, kids committing at, at, at a variety of times. But overall, how do you think the class is shaping up so far? Uh, I mean, well, with their verbal list right now is not something, you know, but it's not the best spot they've been in at this point. But at the same time, though, I mean, they're in on a lot of guys. And this is the second straight cycle already. You know, we did our first 2020 re-rank uh, about a month and a half ago and like I said we've had our top targets list set for a while you know we that that's not a uh, reactive deal to where like we find out they like somebody usually we have a pretty good idea and the guys are pretty high on their board and it was just it was amazing to see like how many of the guys that we already had listed as top targets who took huge leaps up in our rankings, you know, you talk about McGregor, which was kind of a McGregor was kind of a given that we knew he was going to move up to some extent. We didn't, I didn't, I don't think I anticipated he moved that high, uh, but it also wasn't like a big surprise. Uh, but you go up and down the line, and the guys that they've been recruiting really hard, like probably about eighty percent of them, like took really, really big leaps. Uh, especially guys on the defensive side of the ball, uh, like a kid like Antoine Powell, a top defensive end, they play, they really like out of Virginia and went from like an eighty-seven to one hundred and sixteenth in the country, you know, and like, so that's what we talked about in 2019. When you go to look, you look at the verbal list, almost all of those guys, like not almost all, but many of them took just massive. Like I always look at Trent Jones was the one guy who mm-hmm. like was an 87, 88 for a lot of the process. We kept saying he was one. I was kind of pounding my arm, hitting the desk a little bit about, because I was like, I knew this guy was better than what he was ranked. And then, so when they actually got to see him at the Under Armour game, you know, and then he ended up in the, almost in the ranks in the top 100. You know, and there were a bunch of guys like that for them that cycle. So, you know, I think there's there, the, the eval, our evaluators and just the evaluators in general seem to be on the same page with Michigan as far as, like, who's a good prospect and who's not. Uh, so I'm kind of in the boat where most of the time I'm fully on board as far as, like, if Michigan takes a guy, especially at this point in the process, I think there's a pretty good chance that the guy's going to be at least has a shot to be a really good player, right? So, uh, but they're in on that. Like not that with standings, like they're still in on guys that are highly ranked. Like Jordan Morant was just on campus, number one safety in the country. Michigan leads the crystal ball there. I think they do. They're close. If not, they will soon. I guess I would guess. Uh, you know that gives them the number one safety prospect two years in a row. You know they've. Uh, uh, I talk about Powell, McGregor. Uh, I think they'll still keep going with Aaron Lewis, who just verbally committed to West Virginia, is another guy that they really like. Um, you know, so I, I don't think there's really uh, much reason for concern. You know, I talked about the offensive line as a spot where they've taken they they took the uh, Mizuka, who who's a little lower rank. They're in good shape with Noah Nelson, who's a little lower rank. But a lot of the other guys they're in on up front are are highly ranked type guys. Uh, you know that, and like I said, there's almost there's too many of them to name because uh, Warner's done such a good job. Running back, Corum's a four-star wide receiver. Like we talked about, AJ Henning a little bit is a top 100 guy. You know, so this is like I said, 
I think by the time the season rolls around, you get to August, September, mm-hmm. you always almost, you almost always have a much better idea of how things are going to shape up. You know, it's like, I've always put such a big emphasis on, well, like, you know, however you play during the season will really end up dictating the final product as far as your recruiting class goes. But at the same time, you know, there's more and more kids now or with this, especially with this early official visit period, more and more kids are, are verbally committing earlier. And, you know, more often than not, Michigan is going to win enough games to hang on to most of those guys. You know, you might lose a couple guys every year. I mean, every school does. Uh, but by and large, they're they're holding on to most of the guys that they get early on that they want to keep. And so, you know, I think, like I said, get to like July, August, I think we'll have a much better idea. But it's definitely like way too early to look at their verbal list and say, well, what's going on or what's the problem? You know, cause I don't, I don't think so. I think they're in good shape with a lot of the guys that they really, really like right now. Well, last question for you, Steve, uh, for today is nothing to do with recruiting. Um, it seems like the main focus uh, of fans uh, in the last couple of months when they looked at spring practice was what's Josh Gaddis going to do? What's that offense uh, going to look like, et cetera, et cetera. From what he says and Jim says, it's all Gaddis's offense. And, uh, still, to me, after being around this for so long, that is a huge shift in philosophy for Jim, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I I think like he's always been willing to kind of make the necessary changes. That's one of the things about like I thought was the, one of the biggest misconceptions about him was that he was like stubborn. Um, he's now cut ties with guys that he worked with for ten, fifteen, multiple guys that he's worked with for ten or fifteen years. You know, to try to get not say to try to get things right, but to try to take that next step, you know, and uh, I kind of, I don't think it's unfair or crazy to kind of view the Josh Gaddis hire the same way you look at the Don Brown hire as far as like, you know, Michigan had a really good defense with DJ Durkin, you know, and then they hired Don Brown and they kind of take the next step. It's like last year, Michigan's offense wasn't, they weren't horrible. No. You know, they put up, big points against Penn state, Wisconsin, you know, it's like they, they can, they could score points, but I think it's a deal where there's an opportunity to take that next step. And uh, what I like about the situation, I mean, Gaddis looks like a guy, sounds like a guy, seems like a guy, you know, that looks like it's going to be successful. I mean, again, we don't know yet. We haven't seen him play in an actual game, but the biggest thing for me is they already had, they had such a mix of experience talent and not just talent but it kind of fits like their personnel as successful as they probably would have been with us with an finally having a returning starter at quarterback you know they would have been successful offensively either way this year in my opinion but I think it's a scheme that really kind of fits the personnel for the most part um you have you're loaded at wide receiver you have a quarterback that I think makes better plays when he's outside the pocket and now you kind of have you have the you know like that mix of speed and ability at the running back position, which again I think that that's one of the over people a little bit too worried. You know the Charbonnet deal; they knew he was probably going to sit out this spring from the day he enrolled. You know it's a minor injury that they're just being very very cautious with. He had his knee checked out. Um, same with Christian Turner; fought some very minor stuff. They're just being very cautious with those guys because they're going to be very important, I think, in the in the season. Um, but I think that it's it's interesting. They're not reinventing the wheel here. I think it's a situation where they're, it's a group that's capable of picking this up right away and then doing something with it. You know, it's not 
Lloyd Carr leaving and then you're switching to Rich Rodriguez's offense and it's like what the heck you need lose Ryan Mallett you know <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. it's not it's not that type of deal you know I think it's an offense to where uh they they should be able to pick it up and and do something with it right away and I don't think that the learning curve or the growth period is going to be as you know growing pains are going to be what it might normally be you know and so uh that's where I think it's interesting you know it's if you're a fan I think it's hard not to be kind of excited at the possibility, right? Um, I, I think, you know, I liked what they showed in the spring game. I think part of it was for recruiting. It's always part of its recruiting, you know, is to showcase some of the different looks, how they want to get, you know, guys the ball in, in open space, that right. type of deal. So, yeah. So, um, and like I said, I think I think this offense fits Shea Patterson's skill set a lot more than – and again, I thought you had a good year last year. I think the people that are the critics, I mean, yeah, he wasn't perfect. He short-armed some balls, like whatever, but it was one of the best statistical seasons Michigan quarterbacks had in a long time. Um, you know, it's like, so, but I think that this off, this type of offense fits his skill set more than, you know, maybe another year under Pep uh, would have, you know. So, be interesting. I, again, I kind of look at it the same way I look at the Don Brown hire. I think at least the aim is the same, where it's like things were good, but I think they that Harbaugh has a clear realization that things could be better and that making a move like this was, you know, maybe necessary to take that next step. So, but again, we'll see, we'll see how it works out. Yeah, we certainly will. And I know fans are excited and uh, I I think you're right. Uh, A lot of people have talked about for, you know, the four years he's been here, Jim Harbaugh is, you know, a little bit stiff. He wants to run that offense where we're going to pound it with the fullback, pound the running game like he did at Stanford. He has shown a lot of flexibility with the Colin Kaepernick and San Francisco on the NFL side. So that he brought Josh Gaddis in here, to me, might shock some people, but I just think it also shows and should show fans he's willing to do what it takes to utilize the people that he has, his personnel, to get the most out of them and win football games. Totally agree. There's really not much else to say on top of that because his actions have proven it, you know, and... uh you know, when he hired Don Brown, he didn't even know Don Brown. Right. You know, it wasn't like he's hired some buddy of his that was coach. You know, it's like this was, you know, same deal. You can even go back to when he hired Jed Fish. What did he say? He never had a conversation with Jed Fish before he hired him? <laughs> right. You know, it's like, so, yeah, it's like, you know, you know, because I think by and large, more, way more often than not, their assistant coaching hires have been great. I mean, you can even look at when he brought on McIlwain, how, how what, much better the receivers looked in 18 than they did in 17. You know, and part of that's probably experience, but you know, what I'm getting at is like most of the time that these hires have seemed to have panned out. You know, and, and Gaddis read what Alabama's reaction was to him leaving. You saw how badly Maryland wanted him, how Michigan kind of stole him from Maryland, pretty much. You know, before that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, and then a guy like Harbaugh again, who I think has a good eye for coaching talent. I mean, you look at all the assistants of his who have gone on to either a head coach or you know lead programs elsewhere. You know, I think you should feel pretty good about the chances that this might work out. And, uh, you know, like I said, part of that's because the, the the guy they hired is going to be a good hire. But a part of it is also because, like I said, they have, they have a lot of talent and they have a ton of experience returning. And I think you have a really uh, hungry group that's kind of ready to kind of take that next step. With us on our, uh, on our game day segment uh, this week, talking recruiting, getting uh, back to our monthly recruiting updates, uh, has been Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. And there's been, as, as you can tell, 
a lot to talk about. So, Steve, as always, we appreciate the time and look forward to getting you back on next month and uh, and see what's new. Sounds good, Mike. Appreciate it. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, softball swept three from Illinois down there over the weekend. This week we have the final four home games of the season. Sparty on Tuesday, today as we record. And Penn State is in 4-3 this weekend. Next week we close the regular season on the road at Maryland with three. We are 33-11 and overall, 15-1 and in Big Ten action. Baseball took three from Northwestern last weekend. This week, Maryland is in town for a three-game weekend series. We are 28-11 and 11 overall, 8-3 and three in Big Ten play. A reminder, our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the program. It really does help us a bunch. As most of you know, we slow it down in May, June, and July. I'll have two shows a month for you during that time period, And as I always say, we aren't going away, just slowing down to enjoy some summer with friends and family and recharge the batteries for football season, which for us, here on the show, gets underway when we return to weekly programming in August. So make a note, our next show will air on May the 8th. That will do it for another week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. We'll see you right back here on May 8th with our next show. Until then, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. That's the Michigan Man Podcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!